The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Ah, come on, Lifehouse, if you're excited to be in the presence of God with the people of God celebrating the things of God, put your hands together for real. Come on. Has he been good to you, church? Well, it's an honor to be in the house with you guys. Man, shout out to all of our campuses, everybody watching online. Hey, by the way, um, if you've been watching online, but you've never had an opportunity to get your face in this place, let me encourage you as an outsider looking in and speaking into everything that God is doing in this place, make the time and the effort to get in this house, to get in this place. I'm just telling you, the people really are friendly. The leadership is incredible. And um, I know they look good on a screen, but it's better when you get on the scene, and that's a promise to you. Welcome to everybody at the Classic uh, Campus. Let me see if I can do this. The Leitersburg Campus, the Wilson Campus, and the Chambersburg Campus. Did I get them all? Come on, baby. <laughs> Shout out to your pastors. Man, I love pastors Patrick and Laura so much. They are not only a kingdom builder here, but a kingdom builder around the region. Just before coming out here, um, I was praying a little bit in, in, a, in a pastor's a green room, or as I like to call it, a ready room, where he gets ready to come out and kick the devil in the face. Uh, but, uh, but there's just these posters around his green room, uh, just points of prayer for all the campuses and around the region and all your networks churches, and it really is amazing to see what God is doing. So he's away on sabbatical, a well-deserved break. But pastor, we love you. We appreciate you. We know that God is speaking to you in this season, and we are revved up, amped up, caffeinated up, and excited to receive everything that God has for you. One more time, church. Can you put your hands together? Pastor Patrick and Laura, we love them. Grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of John. While you're turning there, why don't you tell the person sitting on your left and only your left, if it wasn't for you, I'd be the best looking thing in here. Just go ahead and let them know. Come on. And now look at the person on the right and say, don't worry, we serve a God of miracles. Come on. We serve a God of miracles. A while back, I had this uh, little girl in my church come up to me. I don't know how old she was, six, seven, maybe eight years old. And she said, she said, uh, Pastor Derek, how old are you? And I said, I'm 37. And she says, well, what year were you born? I said, well, I'm 37, so I was born in 1981. And her eyes got real big, her mouth dropped open, and she said, oh my gosh, you were born in the 1900s? Come on, how many 1900s do we have in the house? You just old school. You just old school. I'm old school and I'm not afraid to admit it. Matter of fact, I'm so old school. I remember the day that we didn't have, we didn't have movies readily available or accessible on the other side of a remote control. I'm so old school. I remember the days before we even had remote controls. If you wanted to turn the channel, you had to get up and turn a knob or press a button. You know what I'm talking about? Growing up, growing up, we didn't have Xbox or Nintendo or 360 or PSP or Elemental P or anything like that. No, no, no. Growing up, if we wanted to play, we had to do something. We had to play with something. And, and um, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't even know if they still make them anymore. Maybe, maybe it could be that it was just a 1980s thing. Uh, but growing up, if we wanted to play with something, it, it was called the outdoors. Do you guys remember that? It's amazing. 
for everybody under 14, they, it really is this magical world that once filled the earth with dinosaurs and unicorns. It's amazing. But we would play outside morning, noon, and night all the time. And uh, my mom liked it when I played outside for obvious reasons. But she hated when I played outside for obvious reasons. Because when I would come back inside, I brought the earth with me. And I was covered from head to toe in dirt. See, in my mentality, there was never a mountain of dirt that did not need to be climbed. And there was never a puddle of mud that did not need investigation for the, for the off chance that there was an alligator inside the puddle. You know what I'm talking about? I had a nickname growing up. It was called Pigpen. I don't... I just loved the outdoors. To me, all of creation was an invitation for exploration and to be about the activity of heaven. It was just amazing to be outside. I love the dirt. Everybody say dirt. Come on, all of our campuses say dirt. Yeah. And and the more I search through scripture, the more I see this continual pattern, the more I see God likes to play with dirt. I mean, think about this. Think about in the Old Testament, how many miracles of God, everybody say God, how many miracles of God involved creation itself? The substitutionary atonement, the sacrifice of uh, lambs and bulls and goats involved a lot of mess. The plagues that God sent down upon Egypt. Think about the mess and the dirt that it caused and just the, just the, just the dirtiness involving those miracles, involving lice and blood and livestock. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene with the gangster lean, right? And he comes up and all of a sudden, he's dealing with an old rugged cross. We see Jesus on the scene and he's picked up this family trait from his father, from God. And uh, the Bible says that he's, uh, he's doing miracles with creation as well. Uh, matter of fact, one time he's dealing with a group of religious leaders regarding this woman who was caught in the act of adultery and before Jesus responded to the woman's dirty sin or the religious leader's dirty sin, uh, the Bible says that he bent down and he began to draw in Dirt. One more time, everybody say dirt. When we come to John chapter 9, I'm reminded of one of my favorite chapters or passages of scripture where Jesus fashions something from dirt. Go with me. John chapter 9, the Bible says, as he, being Jesus, passed by, he saw a man, everybody say man, he saw a man blind from birth. Have you ever struggled with a sin for a long time? Have you ever met anybody, maybe you have a family member up in your business who has struggled with a sin or a struggle or an addiction or a heartache or depression for a long time? See, I feel bad for this man because this is not a new struggle. This is a familiar struggle. He's been struggling with this struggle for a long time. I also feel bad for this man because culturally speaking, to be born with any um, defect is what they would have called it. 
To be born with any disability, they believed would have been a result of either the child's sin inside the womb or the parent's sin. Matter of fact, this is so crazy to even think about, but some scholars teach us that, um, that uh, the rabbis of the day, some of the rabbis would actually teach that if a woman felt a baby kicking inside of her belly, it was a sign that the baby was sinning within her womb. Is that not ludicrous? I mean, who comes up with this stuff as if the baby is inside the belly, you know. Um, I ain't no holla back, girl. I ain't no holla back. No! I mean, give me a break. What in the world are they thinking? Yet, uh, culturally speaking, they thought that the disability was a result of the child's sin or the parent's sin. So now we have a whole new level of shame and guilt and pain and, and, uh, and uh, the uh, weight of a life on the man's life and the parent's life. See, I feel bad for the man because he's struggling with a burden and a, and a, and a, and a cultural layer of shame outside of his control. I feel bad for the parents. They're carrying a burden that was never theirs to bear, not to mention the disappointment that life presented them. I mean, I'm sure that they were dreaming about a day where they would go fishing on Saturday mornings or he would turn over the family business to his son and yet, and yet life dealt them another hand. And apparently the Bible would have us note that not just one disciple blurted out, but they all wanted to know, what's this? His disciples asked him, rabbi, which simply means teacher, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. To which in my biblical imagination, I can just picture the man sitting on the curb of the sidewalk saying, uh, I'm blind, I'm not deaf, I'm sitting right here. I can hear everything you guys are saying, but thank you for talking about me behind my back. And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but, watch me now, that the works of God might be displayed. The glory of God, the character of God, the nature of God, the power power of God, the presence of God, the peace of God, the glory of God might be displayed in him. What he's saying is, whoa, hold up, wait a minute, put a little grace in it. That's not, that's not the right focal point. You guys are asking the wrong question. That is the wrong perspective. It's not about who sinned, how they sinned, how often they sinned, where they sinned, or what degree of sin they have conquered in their life. It's something else. It's about getting their sin and their dirt and their shame and their pain and their heartache and their bitterness inside the presence of God so that God can change their life from the inside out. May we always be a people that judge people less. We accept people more because there, but by the grace of God, there go I. Let's not be a judgmental people, but let's be a people of grace and mercy and just get them in the presence of God. And by the way, the Bible would have us know that this man was blind from birth. All of our campuses say man. So it's not a boy. It's not a teenager. It's not a young adult. This is a full grown man, which tells me this is not new news. This is a familiar struggle. Have you ever struggled with something that you thought you should have uh, gotten over by now? The addiction should have broke by now. The desire should have dissolved by now. 
The relationship should have been restored by now. Have you ever continued to struggle in a cycle of depression and discouragement that should have come off your life by now? You know, the tendency of our insecurity is to think that because we have struggled for such a long time, that this is just the way it's going to be. There's no more hope. We don't have a prayer left to give. For whatever reason, God must be mad at me, angry at me. He's, he must have forgotten about me because he's leaving me here in this sick cycle of comparison and, and a discouragement and insecurity and addiction. And if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to believe the lie of the enemy that says, this is the way it's always going to be. The man was blind from birth. But what if there's something happening behind the scenes that you can't see with your eyes? What if God is doing something and God is rearranging pieces around the scene for his glory that even now, somehow, even though you can't see it with your natural eyes, there's something taking place in the supernatural um, um, arena of life and God is still able to get the glory out of this. When I was in elementary I played on a uh, church basketball league, primarily because I wasn't good enough to make the school basketball league. And so I, so I joined the church basketball league so I could get some playing time because in our church growing up, there, there were two rules. Everybody gets equal amount of playing time and everybody makes the playoffs. So here we are. I'm playing in the playoffs, y'all. I'm playing in the playoffs. It was incredible. And um, <laughs> I was so bad. I was so bad that I, uh, I never touched the ball all season long like how does that happen I don't know I never touched the ball all season long but here we are in the playoffs we're down by like one or two points the coach calls a timeout there's three seconds left on the clock the coach calls a timeout and we all huddle up now he designed the play for the play to go to Demetrius but when we actually tried to inbound the balls he 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 was heavily guarded I was left wide open for I was not a threat to the opposing team I'm left wide open there's three seconds left. The ball is inbound to me. I grab the ball. And then the first thought was, wow, this is what a basketball feels like. But then the second thought I had was, whoa, Derek, you better lose yourself in the music, the moment and own it. This is it, baby. This is the chance you've been waiting for. So in my head, I saw myself doing behind the back, dribbling between the legs, doing a little shimmy, doing a little shake, breaking people, breaking ankles. In my head, I heard the soundtrack of the ESP and ba-na-na-bum. Now the star of the show, Derek Hamster, grabs the ball and he's going down the court with only three seconds left. Ha ha! He's known from coast to coast like butter on toast. Watch your, it in my head, all these things were happening. In real life, I just dribble, dribbled, and then I'm counting down three, two, one, and as hard as I could, I chucked the ball across court. And right on target, it goes over the half court line, over the free throw line, over the backboard. <laughs> and it hit the opposite wall of the gymnasium. I turned to face the crowd. Ba-na-na, ba-dum-bum. And uh, to my surprise, my entire team is angry. They're furious. The opposing team is laughing at me. The parents in the stand are confused by me. 
My coach, who was my youth pastor, is swearing at me, and <laughs> we're all a work in progress. But, uh, and I said, guys, it was basically a Hail Mary shot anyways. I only had three seconds. It's not like you could do any better. And my coach, after saying a few words, uh, said, look at the scoreboard. And to my surprise, it wasn't three seconds left on the clock. It was a minute and three seconds left on the clock. See, I thought I was out of time, but little did I know there was still more game time left on the court. For some of us, we have believed far too long that because we haven't seen the activity of God, that all of a sudden the power of God must be paralyzed and we're counting out the author of time, but God wants to remind us, no, 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 no. I step outside of time. I can speak into the life of time itself. I can fast forward, rewind, oh, pause time. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm not bound. I'm not limited by your time. I am the God of all gods, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. Stop telling yourself what I can't do when I can step right in to do whatever it is I want to do. Everybody say, I still got time. There's still more time on the clock. You might feel like you're out of time, but God says, no, I can restore the years that the locusts have tried to eat from the blessing of your harvest. That's why the Bible says to turn your sorrow into dancing and your worry into worship and your prayers into praise because he's still God. And even now, somehow, there's still time for God to get the glory even out of this. Verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me, Jesus said, while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And now I don't want to bother this too much, but I do want to just point out that scientifically speaking, in our solar system, when it is dark here, it is daylight here. When it's evening here, it's morning here. We can't see the effects of the sun, but the sun continues to shine. That's because the sun has never refused to shine. No wonder the Bible says joy comes in the morning. And we are a people who do not walk by sight, but by faith. Everybody say, just hold on. Verse 6, having said these things, he, being Jesus, spat... <laughs> he, being Jesus, spat, I think there's a uh, typo in my Bible, uh, because we're referring to Jesus, and Jesus is in the middle of preaching. Having said these things, Jesus spat on the ground, and he made mud with his saliva. I wrote down in my Bible, in the margins, in the middle of preaching a profound and theologically precise pillar, Jesus did something unorthodox, uncanny, unprofessional, even inappropriate for pulpit etiquette. Jesus hacked up a Jesus spat on the ground. You know, sometimes we, we grow so comfortable in our experience and the ways we have seen God move that we almost limit him to our past experience. And we reduce the activity of heaven down to what we've only seen him do in the past. 
But I love the fact that we have a God who walks into our, 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 um, our um, denominations. He walks in the face of our traditions. He walks into the face of our preconceived notions. And he does something uncanny, unorthodox, and something that, that he's never done before. He will look at us dead in the face regarding our doubt, and he spits on the ground. If we were at my church, I would tell you to turn your neighbor and say, hack one up for Jesus. But we're just not going to do that right now. I love the fact that we have a God who spits on the ground, that our God is not limited by his past experience, but he can show up and show off and do what God wants to do anytime he wants to do it. I know you didn't get an answer to your prayers yesterday, last year, or last decade, but there's still time for God to show up to the fertile soil of your faith and spit on the ground. I feel like... I feel like part of my Holy Ghost assignment this weekend for your life uh, house at all of our campuses is to walk into your situation and remind you that even on the doorsteps of your relational dysfunction, we have a God who spits on the ground. Even in the arena of alcoholism and drug addicts and people who have been bound by pornography, we have a God who spits on the ground and he who the sun sets free is free indeed we have a God who will look at you dead in the face regarding your depression and your hurt and your sorrow and your habits and your hang-ups and he will spit on the ground and give you peace that passes all of your understanding and a joy that is full of the riches and the glory of God we have a God who spits The text goes on to say, then he, Jesus, anointed the man's eyes with the mud spit, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, hey, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Isn't it crazy how, how some people refuse to let God do a miracle in your life because they'll keep bringing up who you once were? Some claim that it was him. Others said, no way. It just looks like him. But he himself stood up. He himself insisted. He testified. Yeah, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. This man they called Jesus, he used what was ordinary in my life to do the extraordinary. Even though I couldn't see a way, he still made a way. And he put this mud spit on my eyes and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and I washed and then I could see. I just want you to notice that Jesus asked him to first take a step of faith before his sight was restored. That's because the mark of the follower of Christ is that we walk by faith, not by sight. Taking your first step of faith will actually lead to the harvest and to the blessing and to the confirmation that your spirit has been wrestling with. First, you move out in faith and then God steps in in response. First faith, then he comes. For we are people who walk by faith, not by sight. For some of you, your next step of faith is uh, joining a uh, service team. Being part of a dream team volunteer department here. 
serving, serving something greater than yourself. Well, I just don't know how I'll make time and I just don't know if it's in it for me and I don't know if I have what it takes. First you step and then God responds and then you'll see. For some of you, it's tithing. If you can't trust God here, can you really trust him here? First, you respond in faith, and then you will see with your own eyes that he's a God who keeps his promises. It's joining a team. It's joining a connect group or a small group. It's giving your life to Jesus. What has God been dealing with you about, but you've been putting off until everything makes sense in your mind's eye? First, faith then sight. He told him to go to Siloam and wash. And he said, so I went and washed and then I could see. I just want to close with this thought. What if you've been suggesting to yourself that because your situation is unique and different than anybody else that you know, uh, that God can't help you when in fact, because your situation is unique, it'll never be forgotten. See, part of the experience that makes this moment memorable is the part that it, that, that it was unconventional. It wasn't just that God healed, it's that he hacked before he healed. We have a God who spits and restores sight. Do you know that saliva carries our DNA? Saliva is used in paternity tests because saliva carries our DNA. What I'm trying to say is if you want to know who your daddy is, check the DNA. You're going to make it because Jesus put his DNA on you. Psalms 103, just as a father is gracious and forgiving to his, to his children, so God in heaven remembers the creation of his sons and daughters and that we are just dust formed in fashion from the dust of the earth. And then he spits on the ground. You're gonna make it because Jesus has his DNA on you. Your marriage is going to make it because Jesus has his DNA on you. You're going to be set free from that realm of bitterness and discouragement and depression and alcoholism because Jesus has his DNA on you. Your kids are going to come back to Christ because Jesus has his DNA on you. This church is going to make it. This church is going to continue to launch campuses up and around the region because Jesus has his DNA on this house to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ever ask for, hope for, or imagine you are DNA carriers of God himself. Know that, own that, live that, and see God do something extraordinary on your behalf. In Jesus' name, one more time, if you believe it, can you say amen? I love the fact that God is not just a God who spits on the ground, but he's a God who bled on the ground. From an old rugged cross, he allowed his hands and his feet and his side to be nailed, to be stabbed, not for his sins, but for ours. So he can put his DNA on us, wash us clean from every spiritual disability that we've been plagued with, trying to find freedom from. Let me just encourage somebody. Jesus can do in a millisecond what counselors and books and conferences and coffee conversations couldn't do in a lifetime. Your healing is on the other side of your surrender. 
God, I thank you for this truth. I thank you for this example. I thank you for this event in scripture that we can point to and say that we don't have a God who is limited by our past experiences or our traditions or our denominations, but we have a God who comes in and he does exceedingly abundantly above all. He shows up in the most unlikely places. He has this way of using the ordinary for the extraordinary. He has this way of using our story for his glory. So Lord, for every person who's been struggling with something internally that they just can't seem to find healing or rest or peace or freedom in, I pray that you would show yourself to be true, mighty, strong, and faithful and gracious, oh God. Come in and heal the blind eyes and the deaf ears and the wounded hearts and the broken marriages and the prodigal sons and daughters. Do what only you can do, God. And we will declare this day and forevermore, you and only you are going to get the glory even out of this. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, one more time. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to audio from LifeHouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.